The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. So on this day, when we celebrate the lives and mourn the loss of those nearly 3,000 people who died on this date 12 years ago in what has been co- become known as 9-11, we are going to talk in part about the nature of the evil that caused their deaths. Or was it really evil? Well, it's not good, that's for sure. Those who are still mourning the loss of a loved one certainly might wish to call it evil. But one gift that the tragedy of 9-11 gave many of us is a willingness to talk about the hard stuff, such as why we suffer and the nature of evil and the nature of humanity. So we're going to honor those who fell today by talking about that hard stuff. Somewhere along the way, those of us in the New Thought world who don't really believe in a devil or his purposes, his being in quotes there, transposed the face of that demonic force onto the ego The ego is now considered to be the enemy, one that can possess us. And when we are so possessed, it is thought, we think and feel so, we think and feel so-called negative thoughts and feelings, excuse me, and we act out negative behaviors. So it seems we've changed the language a bit, but it's still the same old scenario. And this evil force is not now, as it once was, projected out onto an external super entity called the devil or Satan, but it's now living inside of us which is even scarier. Well, we've already talked about how the ego is really just a liaison between the inner and outer worlds, and we may talk about that a little bit more today. But what we need to talk about now is what is really inside of us. What is the range of our existence? What can we do with those difficult parts of ourselves that seem to grab hold of us and refuse to let go until we behave out of them? So that's where we're going to go today. And along the pathway, what we're going to do is talk about the, dif- the distinction between the definitions of ego, the definitions of devil, quote-unquote, and the definition of evil, and the definition of good. It turns out, if we do the research, that uh, good and evil can't really exist without each other. And a lot of people will say, well, that's just the nature of our experience, that you know, if something isn't good, it's bad. If something isn't bad, it's good. Um, and that we don't really understand good until we've experienced bad, and we don't really understand bad until we've experienced good. Um, I disagree with every bit of that, and you don't have to agree with me, but uh, I'm going to put forth what I think and what I've come to discover through my research and the research that was conducted um, for the book that I, is coming out on December the 13th of this year called Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, that research indicates that not only is the devil, as we've come to know him in the Bible, the Christian Bible, 
and um, some some interpretations of the Old Testament, um, it, it doesn't exist. Um, there are many authors who've written about the nature of evil. There are uh, authors who've written about um, uh, what the story of sort of evil is throughout the world. Uh, Baumeister is one that I really like to read about. Um, but another that has been come out recently is called uh, has to do with uh, it's based on the same idea that Jack Miles used to write um, God a biography, um, and it's Satan a biography. And um, basically, what that says in there is that the term that we've come to know as devil, the devil, like as in a name or the name Satan in the Old Testament, is actually the Satan. It's not Satan, like the name, a proper name, but it's the Satan, and the word means opponent. So the Satan is any kind of opponent, and that could even be an angel. Um, the angel that stopped Balaam on the path, on the road to do his prophecy, uh, bad prophecy, was an angel, and it was called the Satan. So uh, we've got some ideas that have come from perhaps some misinterpretations about what, what is said there in the Western world. But even in the Eastern world, in the Eastern um, religions, we think in terms of karma, bad karma or good karma as a result of bad or good actions. And those, those um, delineations between those two opposite polarities, they just are flood our entire world. Everything is either good or bad. Our food, our lovers, our friends, our conversations, our um, clothes, the clothes we wear, the way we think, everything is considered in some way to be some degree of either good or bad. Now, we may not say the clothes somebody wears is, are, is evil, but we, but we might say, well, those clothes are, you know, they're, they're, that's not a good way of dressing. And so not good is the same as bad. And um, when we do that, we're ca- we're making those judgments, and they're all based in what I've called. You've, you, if you've been listening to me for a minute, you know that I call it the duality trance state. And that idea is premised in a trance state. Now, in terms of a trance state, there's been much written about that as well. In terms of the human psychology. Um, particularly when it is relative to transpersonal psychology, because there are some writers, some researchers who believe that um, our psychology started in a hypnotic trance state. Our identity started as a, in a hypnotic trance state in which we uh, took on the projections that, uh, of other people, the unresolved issues of other people in our environment, primarily caretakers, caregivers, and we uh, identified with those. We, we defined ourselves by them. So if mom thought I was a nasty little urchin rug rat, then <laughs> that's how I began to identify myself. Um, if, if, you know, whatever they needed us to be for their own unresolved issues or their own projections, that's what we became. And very often that stuff is unconscious and lots and lots is passed around under the tables that we don't even know about. I don't know whether you guys ever played that game in uh, grammar school uh, called Pass the Potato. Well, there was one of my teachers. We we passed it uh, around um, in a circle out on the playground most of the time. But a lot of times it was a ball, not a potato. But uh, a lot of times we passed a literal potato around literally under a table, a round table, in a room with a bunch of children. So we were passing it under the table. And that's 
we could nobody could see who had it that way. I mean, you could guess by their body movements, but people could trick you and make you think they had it when they didn't. So that's kind of the way it works with um, our unconscious material. We accept as trance state. We become entranced, hypnotically entranced with an identity that is very likely not who we are authentically. And that is the same way the, uh, the duality trance state works. In fact, most of our identities are in some way tinged at least, if not totally overwhelmed, by the duality trans state because in all of our identities there's some way we're considering ourselves to be either good or bad. So, and and I want to sort of go over this in in detail here, a a person who might grow up to be a serial killer, okay, we we think of them as sociopaths or psychopaths, however you want to say that word, Uh, we... uh, What's happening there is this is a child who, for whatever reason, whether it's because his parents ignored him except any time when he, they thought he was bad, or whether he did something bad and got a lot of attention for it, or whether he um, couldn't be seen at all ever and became invis- invisible and tried to do bad things in order to be seen, whatever the case might be, or maybe he was abused and, and truly treated horribly and therefore began to believe he was bad. Whatever the case, there's some kind of way in which he determines that he's bad. He or she is bad. But let's call it a he for the sake of, of numbers. Our, our, um, our statistics seem to indicate there's more male serial killers than females at this point in time. Um, so what's happening there is that the, uh, he's identified as I'm a bad kid. But on the flip side of that, without that identity, he doesn't exist at least not in his own mind. And that's how all of us are about our identities. If we don't have that, we're, we're afraid we won't exist. So, so what happens then is he, become entranced, he becomes entranced with the idea of being bad in order to, be exist, in order to feel that he exists. What's going to have to happen then is he's going to have to do more and more bad in order to prove that he continues to exist because he can't just do one bad thing and go, okay, I exist now. It has to be repeated in order to continue to prove to himself that he's done, some, he's done something bad enough to prove to himself that he truly does exist. So in that process, what's going on is over time, he's going to have to do more and more that's bad. Not just more in terms of frequency, but more in terms of the depth of the evil, quote-unquote, the evil that is done. And ultimately, he might become a serial killer. And what's happening there is he's become, in his own mind, a monster. And the monster is somebody he can live with because at least then he exists. And it's my theory that that is one of the reasons why uh, serial killers want so much attention is because from the media and, you know, from the people that they're haunting is because they they feel that to get that attention is to prove their existence. So this whole thing about identity is a real mystery in terms of how we get hypnotized into it but there's lots of theories out there one that i just heard recently and i think i mentioned a few weeks back was the one by bruce lipton and we're going to be talking to him in october so stay get ready for that um in his book the honeymoon effect where he says that we're our earliest states uh mental states are uh are the theta state and the and the alpha state in which we're either sleepy or very imaginative and we're very absorbent therefore of what's happening to us we're not putting out so much but we're taking in and we're just receiving all this and so we get the information about who we're supposed to be and then we begin to imagine that we are that and become that and um that's his theory of how we form identities between the ages of 0 and 7 
And I'm going to ask him more about that when he comes on the show. So get ready for that. It's in October. So, uh, you know, the idea of identity has everything to do with our thoughts about evil. Now a person can be evil or good based on his behavior, his or her behavior. Um, and, and so if I do a lot of good things, then I can therefore tally those things up in my mind, measure myself accordingly and say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I do X, Y, and Z. The problem with that whole measuring thing is that, A, we have to measure ourselves to find worth, which I don't really believe we have to measure ourselves at all to be worthy. I think we're worthy the day we get here and we're worthy throughout our lives and we're worthy the day we die. We just don't believe it. But and, and we can talk some more about that. But um, this this whole thing of measuring ourselves means there's a constant. I have to keep measuring myself because yesterday I did some good things, but what about today? Today I might do some bad things, and then how's the tally working out there? Is it you know if I got more bad than good? And that's generally how we think. We don't know we're thinking that way because we haven't ever stopped to consider it. But that's generally how we think. Now. All of that can be based in a Christian faith. It can be based in some Eastern uh, religion. It can be based in anything because it's all over the world. This is global. This whole duality trans state is global. Um, and, and so what it isn't based in a particular religion and our ideas, therefore, don't have to be religiously put forth. As a matter of fact, there are atheists out there who will talk very very much about ethics and how we need to be good people and you know that's all that matters is we just need to be good people um okay so am i saying that if we're not that well if we shouldn't be good people that maybe we should be bad people well you see that thinking is the problem that's how polarized we are if we're not good we must be bad and so when we have evolved into this new thought movement, into the human potential movement and all its variant um, persuasions within that movement, what, what has come to be is that we've stopped talking about the westernized versions of a devil. We've stopped talking about some super entity that is evil in its basic format. And we've begun to look to ourselves for the quote-unquote negative or positive results in our lives. And we've begun to take responsibility for that. Well, the taking the responsibility is great, but the problem is that we're, we're still thinking in the same dualistic terms. We're still thinking in terms of good and evil. We call it negative or positive, but it's still the same old thing. And here's the thing. If I believe that my ego has the, uh, the ability to, to cr- make me do evil things or bad things or negative things, that those negative things are those negative thoughts or those negative emotions are going to influence my life. My fortunes then are based in that those negative thoughts and feelings, or at least that's what I think. And that is the exact same thing that we get to when we start interpreting the word devil from the New Testament. It's as we interpret down to its root meanings, it's, it's the distribution of fortunes. So we're doing the same exact thing. We're just calling it something different. And that's not working. <laughs> it's not working to help us evolve. We don't need to evolve into being good people. We can need to evolve into being real people, true people that are being who they truly are as divine beings. Now, when we say the word divine, automatically what comes up in most of our minds is, well, that's good. The divine is good. But if you look to the definitions just in the Western texts about 
um, how how the, the the God of the Western religion defines itself, he never ever says I'm good. As a matter of fact, in some verses, he takes credit for the good and the evil that's done in the world. And uh, it, 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 so there's no definition. He, he says that he is beingness itself, basically, and that's all he ever says. He never says, I'm good or I'm bad. So, okay, so that's a male image of a god, and some of us find that to be too much to take in. It just seems too limited, and that's fine. But, but the point of the matter is that we have defined that westernized versions of God as good. And we do that same thing with lots of other of our gods, lots of other of our ideas about what the divine actually is. So the minute we say, well, I'm a divine being, we assume that means I must be good. That's not what it means. It means I'm a divine being. It means I am beingness itself. It means that there is no good or bad anymore. It's not about good or bad. It's about beingness. And so when we talk about being present, with with a moment, what I think of in terms of being present with presence, I'm being presence with present with beingness, and and in that process, I'm just alive, fully alive. And maybe I won't be able to maintain that sense of presence for an elongated period of time, but for the length of whatever time I can do that in, I'm being present with beingness, and there is no good or bad in beingness. It's just beingness. So. When we think in terms of evil being uh, uh, something we have the capacity to do, or and when we think in terms of negative thinking or negative feeling being something that's going to bring us negative results, we're still in the same old mind frame. And the same thing is true with positive. If I'm thinking in terms of positive, if I'm thinking positive, then I'm going to get positive results. That's the same old thinking that we used to think years ago when the story of Job was written. And his friend said, bad things are happening to you because you haven't been good. If you'll start being good again, you'll have good things happen to you. Same thing. Um, so we, we really haven't changed our thinking. And the next evolutionary stage in our spirituality is going to have to be about changing that thinking. And that's why I wrote the book that's coming out December the 13th called Inhabiting Heaven Now. Because it's all about how we have used morals to really stymie our evolution instead of to uh, to allow ourselves to really grow into who we are. And um, certainly we can talk some more about that. As a matter of fact, we're going to promote that a lot more in the month of November and, and into early December. But right now what I want to get across is the idea that... Um, that the ego has the power to make us think in terms of negative thoughts. The ego has been given this tremendous power in our lives. We, and in the new thought, new age, new um, human potential movement, and all, like I said, variant persuasions within that, we think in terms of ego being a problem. And it's the bad guy in our lives. And whether you call it that or not, that's what it is, because that's how we treat it. And we, that bad guy has powerful influence over us, and then we expect ourselves not to be afraid anymore. Don't let the ego scare you, but look what the ego can do for you, do it to you. So we're giving out all, all kinds of double messages, and we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Have you discovered your true self yet? When we clearly understand how we create our reality, we can develop empathy and love for our humanity and that of others. Listen to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. Your host, Dr. Joe Mancini, has spent years helping individuals get unstuck and find direction in their lives. Find out more by tuning into our expert guests and participants on Explorations in Consciousness, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Are you interested in finding out more about divine guidance? We all possess special gifts in this world, and sometimes finding out more about them and how to use them can help us get through some of the difficult parts of our lives. Tune in to Elemental Balance, Soul and Spirit Guidance with host Phyllis Valois. Phyllis is an intuitive and medium who will use her gifts to help you find out more about your gifts. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies in the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. 
All you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And speaking of Oprah, her up, uh, upcoming Super Soul series is will be on September the 22nd, and we're going to be hearing a clip from that in the last segment of our show, so stay tuned for that. People think it's impossible to establish a system of ethics without referring to good or evil, but clouds float, flowers bloom, and wind blows. What need have they for a distinction between good and evil? There are people who live like clouds, flowers, and wind who don't think about morals, and yet many people point to their actions and words as religious and ethical models, and they praise them as saints. These saints simply smile. If they revealed that they do not know what is good and what is evil, people would think they were crazy. That's Thich Nhat Hanh who said that. That was a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, and I, and I quoted that again in another show recently as well. Uh, because I, I really think it's important for us to make that distinction that it's possible to be fully alive, fully uh, in touch with who we are as beings, as divine beings even, and not even consider the notions of good or evil as if they don't even exist, just like clouds, flowers, and wind. Um, but what we've done instead, particularly in the new uh thought movement, new age movement, the human potential movement, and like I said, all of its variant persuasions, we have talked in terms of the ego. When we, we say egoic influence, well, the, the influence of the ego is negative, and it's going to tell us to do this, that, and the other. And even in The Course in Miracles, which I have a lot of respect for, that word is used, and it, it's, it is the one who wants to stop us. It's the one who wants to keep us from becoming what we could become, and it wants to influence us negatively against you know, us become, you know, having the abundance that we want to have and having the, the divine self that we want to have. It's the problem. It's the problem. It's the bad guy. It's the one in the way. And when we put that inside of us, we cast dispersions on parts of ourselves and we maintain the psychic split between consciousness and unconsciousness. And anytime we're maintaining that psychic split between consciousness and unconsciousness, we are not evolving. Okay? So, will our evolution happen anyway? Absolutely. Yes, it will. But in terms of uh, what we're teaching, we're not teaching evolution when we're teaching ego as a problem. Right. So my definition of ego, and it's not just mine. There's some other people out there that, are, that have the same definition, although we're, we're not in the majority. Um, the definition of ego is a liaison between the inner and the outer world. That's it. End of subject. It's neutral in value. It has no power to accomplish any great feats inside of us, such as making us think negative thoughts or stopping our growth or uh, making us do bad things or possessing us so that we can only think in terms of the old tapes in our heads. It doesn't do all that. It's just a liaison between the inner and the outer worlds and and also a liaison between the conscious and the unconscious worlds so the ego then can be flavored can be sort of weighted down by a conscious understanding of life that the world gives us an identity that is um 
superimposed over our authentic self and we therefore live out that in our conscious existence. That's not the ego that's causing that though. That's the identity. And the identity is just one small part of our way of, of, of viewing life. And it's not bad or good. It's just how we decided we had to be in order to survive. And I'm grateful for that identity that I had when I was a young child or that all of my clients have had and that all of my readers have had and that all of you have had that got you through your difficult childhoods um, to get here to this point in life where you begin to ask yourself, well, is that all I am? Uh, because that identity saved your life. And in some cases, it was literally saved your physical existence. There are some homes that are so abusive that children would literally die without that identity. So it's not a bad thing to have an identity that isn't who you really are. It's a, it's a survival technique. And it's something to bounce off of later to say, oh, okay, that now as we get to know the inner terrain a lot better, we begin to understand the feelings and the sub-feelings that go along with being authentic and what that feels like in comparison to what it feels like being in an identity that is false we begin to make that distinction clearer and clearer. So it's a good thing to bounce off of, too, to be able to kind of say, oh, well, that's not me, and this is me. And so it gives us that sort of um, a, a kind of a reflective ability to, to see more clearly who we actually are in terms of our inner affective states, is what we call it in mental health, our inner feelings, our inner notions about life, all those things. So... So the identity is not bad, and, uh, uh, you know, there is no part of us that is bad. Now, we certainly can act in ways that are frightening, and, you know, when, when I say people aren't bad, people say, well, what are you trying to do, empty out all the jails? Well, no. Uh, people that have done things that are harmful to other people probably should be in some place where they can either be rehabbed or kept away from society in general until they can figure that out or until they just until they decide to not figure it out whichever the case but but no i'm not saying we should just open up our jails and let all all the quote unquote bad people out what i am saying is that we need to reconsider how we view this whole structure of the ego and the human capacity so in terms of what uh, the difference is between the ego and the soul. The soul is who we are. The ego is a liaison between the inner and the outer world. That's all. The soul is who we are at our deepest self. Michael Brown in the Presence Process says it so well. I really like the way he talks about that. He says that we are, uh, that it's not about being good or bad. It's about really being present with who we actually are in a given moment. So uh, if I've got some anger, I should be present with my anger and see what it has to say and, and, and listen to that as a, a way of sort of problem solving or, or getting closer in touch with what I really want or creating boundaries or all kinds of things like that. And slowly, some of our other uh, spiritual leaders are beginning to say that too. I read something by Neil Donald Walsh on Facebook this morning that he was saying it. So we're, we're slowly beginning to move from the place of, oh, you have to tamp down that negative part of you and make it, beha- make it you know, behave by saying all kinds of a- uh, assertions that, uh, and affirmations that will tell it that it's bad and it needs to go away. And really all we're doing is repressing more when we do that. 
we've moved from that, we're slowly moving from that idea to an idea that our emotions have something to give us. And all those things we think of as negative inside of us are not negative at all. They're informative. They have something to give us. There is nothing inside of us that does not have some gift to give us. And our our emotions, the way I think of them, they are a messaging system. So when I have an emotion, regardless of what it is, if it's joy, well, I'm really present in the moment and I'm really here and I'm really uh, experiencing my beingness, I'm really experiencing the world, then that's affirming to me that I'm, yep, yeah, I'm in there, I'm present. My joy is, is giving me the message, yeah, you really are doing it. Um, if I'm angry, like I said a moment ago, it could be telling me that I need to solve a problem. It could be telling me I need some boundaries. It could be telling me I need to move out from some abusive situation. It could be telling me that I, that I need to, uh, create a, a conversation with someone so that I can determine what they are really doing as opposed to what I might think they're doing. It could be telling us all kinds of things, but if we never listen to it, if we just say, oh, that's a negative feeling, I shouldn't be feeling that, then all we're doing is pushing it down into the unconscious where it will erupt again later, and it's not going to be pretty. Very often I talk to people who say um, that they are, you know, they have a problem with anger. They come to see me for anger management issues. And uh, while I don't deal with that a whole lot, when I have dealt with it, what I've found is that very often people who have anger management issues have repressed or suppressed their anger for a long period of time until finally it comes out in some explosive way that seems completely out of control. And and they, you know, when I talk to them about being able to experience the anger earlier and earlier and earlier, typically what they think is, well, if I experience anger, I'm going to go off earlier. And that's not true. What they've been taught is that, that anger itself is bad, that they shouldn't feel it. And so what they do is they put it away and put it away and put it away and put it away until somebody drops a proverbial straw and then boom, there's something outrageous that happens. And sometimes it might even mean a person's life. So, we need to pay attention to that anger earlier and earlier and earlier, and it can help us to uh, decide where we need the boundaries or solve problems or all those other things I mentioned earlier. And once we've done that, the anger goes away. Why? Because it's delivered its message. Same thing with fear. We have in the New Thought movement and, and again, all of its variant persuasions in the human potential movement, we have uh, determined that fear is the problem just like we've determined that ego is the problem. So fear is the bad guy. You can't have love and fear in the same place. Well, of course you can. Of course you can. You can have sorrow and uh, a love in the same place. You can have fear and love in the same place. You can have anger and love in the same place. You can have all kinds of things and love in the same place. Why? Because we are love. That's the first reason why. The first reason why is we are love. So if I'm love at my base core, then you can't say that, I can't have that and have anger at the same time if I'm also having anger. There it is. It's there. So that's A. But B, absolutely, I myself have experienced times when I feel intense love for somebody and I'm also equally angry at them. (laughs) And so have you. You're angry at them because they did something that was really jeopardizing to either their life or yours or your relationship or something like that. And you love them and you don't want them to do that anymore. That's not that you, th- those are not, you know, you're afraid and you're angry at them. You, your anger at them is about your fear that if you don't get them to stop, something bad's going to happen to your relationship or to them or to you or something else. So you love them and you're afraid at the same time. 
Um, so when we say those two can't exist at the same moment in time and the same heart, we're not telling the truth. We've again dualized, we've polarized two opposite things inside of us. One of the things I love best about Carl Jung's work, and, and his work is lovely. If you haven't studied his work, study it. It's beautiful, amazing. The man was amazingly um, broad in his perspective. Um, he wasn't perfect by any means, but his perspective was well-researched and amazing. Um, so, uh, so one of the things he says is that our, the goal in life is to unite the opposites within us. And I believe that's what one of the uh, books of the Bible that people don't really want to read because it's too scary is me- metaphorizing is this idea of the marriage. Ultimately, there's a union between the opposites within us. There's a union between the, the dual- what we think of in terms of our separation from the divine and the divine. And we begin to unite those pieces and we become one with ourselves and one with God and one with the divine. Um, so when when Carl Jung talks about it, he talks about us going through an experience that's difficult and that experience itself helps us to evolve deeper into who we are because it presents us with difficult emotions that we have to resolve. But if we in the New Age, New Thought, uh, Human Potential Movement and all its variant persuasions are teaching people to stop feeling those feelings, we are not helping them unite the opposites. We are not helping them integrate. We are not helping them individuate. We are not helping them become clearer about who they are as divine beings. So... That's what I want to really, if you don't hear anything else I say today, if you are a teacher or are you working with other people and you are teaching them that their ego is a problem or that fear is a problem or that anger is a problem, then you might be not being of the service that you'd like to be to them. Um, and I know we've all been taught that, but I'd like to teach something different now. Uh, and what I'd like to teach is that it isn't about good and evil at all. It's just not about that. It's about beingness and being present with it. Now, when we're not present with our, with our authenticity, we definitely can live out of our identity. And that identity may be, um, ha- have to feel that it has to, in order to survive, do some things that might be hurtful or harmful to ourselves or other people. Um, and, and in that process, we are living in the duality trance state. We have that choice. Um, and so we can act in ways that, that really uh, we might regret or others might regret or others might not want to be around us because we act that way. But uh, that doesn't mean that's who we actually are. And if we can learn to be present with who we actually are, then we can, uh, we can be more about um, that whole process of identifying with who we are as divine beings. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about bullies these days, and I'm real glad we're talking about it. It needs to be out in the open. Um, but one of the things that I see happening there is the same exact thing that I saw happening when we started the process of talking about rape. We talked about how women should protect themselves from the rapist and how they should, you know, dress a certain way and, and, and not go out at night or not go to bad areas of town, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we didn't talk much about how the rapist should be taught not to rape. And we're doing the same thing with the bully thing. We're not working with the bully. But what I think a bully is is someone who's identified as a bully. And if he can come or she can come to realize who he or she really is and begin to identify with that, there'll be no more need to be a bully. Um, The bully identity is one that's all about self-preservation and and a preservation of that identity itself. Um, And we could talk some more about that on another occasion. But for now, what I want to say is this whole thing about what the soul is 
and it's it's uh, apparent division against the ego is false. It's a false um, assumption, and and living out of it is not helping us evolve. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts. Wise Chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. I said at the beginning of our show today that I was going to answer two questions. One of those is, what is the range of our existence? Well, the range of our existence is absolute beingness. Uh, we we range the gamut not from just oh I just want to be present with beingness and all that all that isn't present with beingness is bad in me or isn't is not following me or it's a ball and chain I drag around with me my ego my bad ego is that ball and chain I drag around with me I'm trying very hard not to give into it but it's really trying to control me and I've really got to fight all the time to make sure that I stay on top of it by thinking positive and always doing my positive affirmations etc etc and what we're doing is just perpetuating a war inside of ourselves and how will we find peace if we're always at war so when we're talking about um, this whole thing of the range of our existence, what we're really talking about is all of it, all of it, good, bad, and ugly, 
uh, and beautiful, uh, so that we're 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 not saying the duality trans state has no purpose and it's the bad guy now. I'm not squaring off against the duality trans state and saying, oh, it's the problem. It has presented us with this illusion that there's a bad and a good and the 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 divine is good and we're bad and you know, that's not the problem. It it is a conundrum that has to do with our suffering but it is not the problem it is part of our evolutionary process everything is part of our evolutionary process and believe it or not that trusting in that process is a part of what living in heaven now is all about Um, so in 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 terms of just trusting that process what we do is that everything that happens in our lives we begin to say okay that's just part of the range of my existence and I'm going to see what that has to give me. And I'm going to find whatever gift there is in it. And then I'm going to live out of that gift. That's, that's how the range of our existence works. So I made that real simple, and it's not that simple. But, but it is a way of kind of asking ourselves the right questions in those moments when we, when we are sort of deluged with the duality trans state and sort of stuck in that place. And we are all are. I still get stuck in that place. We also get stuck in that place. We have been in this duality trans state for the entirety of our existence. It's not going to go away overnight. Just like when we've lived a 40 years in a certain identity, it's, we're not going to flip a switch and start living in beingness. It doesn't happen that way. It's a process. So, okay, so that's the range of our existence. It includes everything. Everything, everything that's happened, every thought we have, there is no way to separate beingness from a a thought that might be considered negative. It can't be separate. Why? Because everything is one. So when we think that way, while we, on the one hand, we say oneness is, um, we, we are all in oneness. That is what is the truth of our existence. Everything is one. And on the other hand, we say, but you shouldn't have your fear and you shouldn't have your anger and you should always watch, watch out for that ego and its negative ways of thinking and feeling. Then you don't really believe in oneness. So if, if oneness is really what's true, then there's no way to separate out what's considered to be a negative thought or a negative feeling from that oneness. They're all the same. And the energy of that quote-unquote negative thought or feeling has a gift for us. But if we're thinking of it only in, its, in terms of its negative, negative negativity, then we're not going to get that gift, most likely. Okay, so that is the range of our existence. What can we do with those difficult parts of ourselves that seem to grab hold of us and refuse to let go until we behave out of them? Well, we can begin first, like I just said, to see them as a gift, as a part of the oneness, not as something to square off against, not as something to go to battle with, not as something to go to war with and be perpetually at war with, not to affirm it away uh, and not to erase, erase it like we've been taught so many times. I've heard people say, well, I just had a negative thought, erase, erase. Well, I don't want to have that thought anymore, so I'm not going to have that thought. So I just erased it, and it's not there anymore. So it won't have any negative consequences for me. And those same people will say, oh, oh my gosh, I did something bad today. I hope I don't have any negative karma that comes out of that. And it's a worry fest. It's a constant uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh going on. That's not helping us to kind of get there, although in a certain way, even that is also helping us to get there. So... 
Um, there is no way, here's what I'm going to say, there is no way to fail in this life. You will absolutely get what your soul came here to give you in this incarnation. It cannot fail. Now, it might not look like everybody thinks it ought to look, but it cannot fail. A brief story just before we go to the the clip on Oprah's show coming up on the 22nd of September. Um, there was uh, two um, Buddhist monks who were uh, watching as someone passed over to the other side and transitioned into a, another bardo of existence. And uh, one of them said to the other, oh, that guy, he's he's going to have some really... You know, he's going to have to come back and do it over and over and over again. He's got a long way to go. And the other one said, no, no, really, he's not. He he only had one thing left to learn. And him being an alcoholic for the entirety of his life allowed him to learn that one thing. And it was humility. And that is how we think. We think, we, oh, he's an alcoholic. He's wasting his life. And we just, well, who knows? I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on inside that life and how that's interconnected and interwoven with other lives that person's had in the past and will have in the future. I don't know, and neither do you. So when we when we determine how it's supposed to be, we're missing out on on realizing that these are, this whole thing is the range of our existence. Everything has come here to give us something, even alcoholism. Um, I think it was Marianne Williamson, although I may be misattributing that, but somebody said uh, that the that alcoholism or drug addiction is the fast route to spirituality, and it absolutely can be. I mean, you can go to hell in, a, in you know a year on a cocaine addiction, or right now it's heroin again, but and then have to deal again with uh, with life on life's terms. But one of the other ways is what. Uh, Marielle Hemingway and Bobby Williams are talking about in Oprah's upcoming show where she sits down with the Academy Award nominated actress and best-selling author Marielle Hemingway and her echo adventurer boyfriend Bobby Williams to explore mind, body, spirit, wholehearted living. It's an inspiring conversation about finding your balance, seeking adventure, and learning how to live a simpler, more vibrant life, which was the impetus for their new book, Running With Nature. Hemingway has made it her life's mission to promote spiritual and physical health, topics that Mariel also explores in her compelling real-life film, Running From Crazy, which is coming to theaters soon. So on September 22nd, exactly 11 days from now, Hemingway and Williams show us how to tap into our soul's mission and cultivate a life filled with fun, love, laughter, and adventure. Plus, there's an inspiring family, the founders of the popular website and New York Times bestselling book, Young House Love, who have over a million unique hits per month, and they show us how to find adventure closer to home. So that's a way that we can begin to deal with it as well. Right now, we want to hear that clip. Where else on television can you experience anything like this? All new episodes of Super Soul Sunday begin with Academy Award-nominated actress Mariel Hemingway. You were able to break free. I want to know how. Get ready for more of the conversations that matter. You're known to the world as CEO and chairman of Starbucks. Without that title, who are you? Join me and Super Soulers from around the world every single Sunday morning. Super Soul Sunday, season premiere, September 22nd, 11 a.m., 10 Central. And that's a part of how we will um, overcome sort of the duality trend state is by leaning further into beingness, leaning further into the fun, the love, the laughter, and the adventure of being alive. 
being truly alive. You know, people say all the time, life is hard. Life is hard. I hear people say, wow, life is just so hard. You know, and I'll be talking to them, perhaps a client or a reader or a listener, about how it is that we might be able to to uh, transition into something else, some other phase of our lives. And, and they'll say, well, that's really hard. And I'll go, is that the excuse you're going to use to not do it? <laughs> because we that's how we think. We oh it's hard so well I shouldn't have to do it. Or I'm really afraid therefore I should cave to my fear. Um we have when what we can do with these things that come up and seem to possess us and control our behaviors. Fear is one of those, anger is another, sorrow is another. Um even uh we can seek after one high after another in terms of when we're looking for joy. I mean, there's people out there who live their lives entirely seeking for the next high. And whether it's a natural high or a drug high, they're still seeking a high. Um, and that's another way of living. There are people who believe that um, they should stay in a perpetual state of bliss and that anything else is an illusion and they should not ever have any other feeling except bliss. And, it, and if they're doing that, then they're on the right path. And if they get off the bliss track, well, there's something really wrong. Um, there's all kinds of ways of dealing with this whole concept of suffering. We can sit back and go, life is hard. Well, it's just so hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or we can, uh, and that's a way of sort of just saying, I'm just going to suffer sometimes and, and I'll just have to, you know, roll with the punches. And there is a kind of truth to that. We are going to suffer sometimes and rolling with the punches might be a effective way of dealing with it. Except if we just roll with the punches and don't gain anything from it, then we haven't, then it hasn't come, given us what we came to get. But, um, but, in terms of doing something with these things as they come up, if we are willing to, A, say to ourselves, this is real, this is happening, this is just a val- just as valid a feeling or a thought or a reality as any other. I'm not going to pretend it's an illusion. I'm not going to tell myself that, that, I, that I shouldn't feel it. I'm, I'm going to be with it. I'm just going to be with it and let it feel what it feels. And eventually it's going to give me its message. And I'm going to take the message and then I'm going to see what I want to do with it. Um, and if we can do that, that's one thing. The other is to really lean into life. To really just run with life as it truly is. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy about comedians on TV is that they can laugh at life. And over the years... And it's taken a while, but over the years, I have also learned to laugh at life, laugh at myself, laugh at other people, laugh at things that in the past I would have considered to be difficult. Sometimes I find myself laughing about things that a child will do or one of my grandchildren will do that if it was my children doing it, I would have been going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I've grown a little, I guess. Um, (laughs) But the point is, if we can learn to be in that laughter, to be in the adventure of life, and what is an adventure? It isn't all bliss and rosy. We face challenges in in an adventure. It's not an adventure if you don't face some challenges in it. So every time we ever watch an adventure movie or every time we ever read an adventure novel, what we're reading about and seeing on the movie is somebody who's facing and overcoming challenges. Uh, And that's what makes it an adventure. Climbing the tallest mountain in the world. It's an adventure because why? It's a challenge. Um, learning to run fast, learning to overcome a fear, may, learning to deal with anger, learning to laugh about life, just laugh about it. These are all adventures. And so when uh, you listen to Mariel Hemingway talk to Oprah on the 22nd of September, I hope you'll consider that this is also a way of, of being 
able to deal with those things that come up inside of us and want to throw us on the floor and stomp on us. Um, because we, we, if we can just say, okay, this is life. This is life. This is my life. And I am not my life. My life and me are, are, are not identifying with each other. But I can, as time goes by, I can allow my soul to create the life I want. Now, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, if you just think positive thoughts, you'll create that life you want. You'll get that million dollars. You'll have that job. You'll have that car. You'll have that relationship that you want. And who knows whether what you want is what your soul wants or not. I mean, I couldn't determine that, so please don't ask me. But there is a distinction between some of the desires that come from our identity and some that come from our soul. Uh, so maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't, but your soul will absolutely get what it came here to get. There's no way to fail at that because nothing returns to the divine empty. And if we fail at a life, that's a that's an empty return, and uh, that just doesn't happen. So if we can look at it that way, we begin to be able to say, all right, this is life and it's okay. Everything that happens is okay. And I can just process through it and I'll be okay because I already am okay. Um, so one of the statements that is frequently made by a, uh, our, teach, our great spiritual teachers is all is well. I love that statement because it absolutely always is. Um, so um, when, we, when we're thinking about this process of how we make it through life, if we can accept life on life's terms, that's a big start. And next week we're going to be talking to Simran Singh. Uh, she's coming to talk with us about how the world and the universe speak to us right on target with what we're talking about today, uh, a little bit more advanced beyond that. So stay tuned for that. Be here for that next Wednesday, and I look forward to talking to you again then. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.